Shadows Hot Takes on Series 12 of Doctor Who. I'm Rob. And I'm Dave. Dave, how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm recording this in a hotel room in Canberra. Yes. But uh, but uh, it doesn't matter, rain, hail or shine, whatever city we're in, we try and get the hot take done. I actually shouldn't say that because I'm not going to be able to for the last two episodes. <laughs> but um, as long as I'm in an Australian city, we'll get the hot, hot takes done. Yes, yes. You're a lot closer to me being in Canberra tonight, so I think the internet connection's even a bit better. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Very good. Rob, I just want to make a quick comment before we get started on this week's hot take. Sure. And just mention that in our hot take last week, you and I were both not not dismissive of the episode, but a little down on the episode. You know, we, we said it didn't quite land for us. It wasn't bad, but didn't quite mm. land. But we also speculated that if it did land for a member of the audience, it would actually land quite well and be quite an enjoyable episode. And I'm very pleased that over the last week I've read and heard different different people's opinions and i think for a lot of people it actually did land more than it did for us and i'm very pleased about that yeah absolutely and i think it's going to be that way with uh every episode this series even the ones that we liked i'm sure there were people out there who hated the ones we liked so you know horses for courses yeah absolutely and even the ones that were a little bit down on this season uh nothing like you know spiders in an abandoned hotel or the Taranga conundrum or whatever it was called like th- th- there hasn't been anything like the lows of last season no no that's right but let's get on to tonight's episode we'll try and knock this hot take out in half an hour or so uh tonight we're looking at can you hear me which was written by Charlene James and Chris Chibnall <laughs> <laughs> it's becoming a theme it, it clearly is you would have thought that having the showrunner credit sort of you know covered that like we, we get it you do rewrites but uh, yeah maybe if you know anybody mentions timeless child he has to get a credit i think so dave i've got an overview do you have an overview for what you think i don't really have an overview i have a collection of sort of views really this episode was pretty good uh not stellar i had a few problems with it but i enjoyed it i thought it was uh I enjoyed it more than last week. Mm-hmm. That's my, my very basic view. I think this episode demonstrates the dangers of next time trailers because this was nothing like what I expected. I sort of expected a base under siege in Aleppo in the yeah. 1300s. Yeah. We got yeah. nothing like that. So so I kind of took a while to adjust to this episode. I think there were some great concepts in here. There were some great moments in here. There were some bits I had a problem with. Uh, Mr. Exposition was back in force. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I don't really have an overarching view. I have I have lots of little bits that all together come to, yeah, not a bad episode. What about you, Rob? Mm, I think we're going to clash a bit this week then, Dave, because I think this one started as the let's have a meditation on mental health, you know, because that's an important topic. Let's do something about that. And it, and it grew into sort of a half-assed story and, and it gained a few interesting scenes, but it never really took off for me. It's probably, you know, sometimes we say, oh, this was a script edit away from being good. I think this was two or three whole script revisions away from being something. Maybe. I don't know. Ultimately, though, I wasn't offended. I wasn't throwing my TV out the window or doing anything <laughs> like that. Nothing crazy. And and I think mental health is a really worthy topic. Yes, 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 yes. I was just meh about this episode. That's interesting because you could really graph as a bit of a parabola my enjoyment of this episode. I really enjoyed the cold open. I'll say that at the front. That was really, really good. Then the first 10 to 15 minutes of there, 
really were a very slow burn. And by the 15-minute mark, I admit, I was a little worried that this episode wasn't going anywhere. Mm. But once it started to really get into it, I really got into it. I bought it. I was intrigued. I was wondering how what was going to happen. Uh, and then as it started to resolve itself, my interest started to diminish and sort of fall away. And by the end of it, I was a little bit sort of like, yeah, okay. But <laughs> the middle the middle half, if we say that this was a, a an episode of Four Quarters... The middle two, I really enjoyed. Uh, I totally agree that the first and the fourth uh, were lesser, mm. but it seems that you didn't quite get in there on the second quarter. No, look, the dream narratives uh, are done in a lot of shows, especially science fiction and fantasy shows, as, as you know, and I think they're done a whole lot better in other shows. I mean, just think of the Restless episode of Buffy. That's the one yes. where she goes and meets the first Slayer. That is just amazing. Even closer to home, you think of Amy's choice and the Dream Lord and, you know, the the worrying thoughts that the Dr. Amy and uh, Rory were having and how that was messing with their heads and all of that. I thought that was so much better done. Amy's choice is one of my favourite episodes of Doctor Mm. Who, in New Who at least. There were dreams going on, nightmares even, and they just weren't that scary or interesting. Okay, I partially disagree with you. I, I certainly agree they didn't go into the full nightmare scenario of something like a Buffy episode. Mm. Restless was one example you did. Um, uh, Hush would be another one. They, they didn't go there, or, or even the long, the long Night of Londo Malari, you know, which was a Black Babylon oh, 5 version fantastic. of this. Fantastic. But I don't think that that was what the episode was about. And this is perhaps one of the big problems the episode has, is that it kind of sold itself as a number of different things and perhaps kind of distracted the viewer a little bit you know Mm. it wasn't a historical it wasn't a base under siege and I don't think it actually was meant to be a nightmare sort of scenario but given all that I actually had down here as a very strong point that I enjoyed the direction of this Mm -hmm. I enjoyed those snap cuts to black where they went into the dreams I enjoyed the perspective shots that they did I enjoyed the way that the direction of the dreams was very clearly Different, not stupid and not sort of insane, but but different and weird enough from the direction of the uh, normal normality scenes mm. to to show you a dream. I thought there was a lot of very clever stuff with them that helped my enjoyment. I didn't actually think that this was about the dreams per se any more than uh, you, you know they were they were just a MacGuffin. Mm. And the story was actually about these two Eternals, and this was simply the the device or the MacGuffin that what was using them you know it was the um azal trades on fear or you know so i didn't actually care Mm. but if i had you're right they're a they're a b-grade set of nightmares so (laughs) see where you're coming from but but not worried yeah and and I, i take on board your point as well it just seems here that the adventure itself was somewhat secondary to the overall theme and that seems to be happening a lot in doctor who lately like oh Mm -hmm. let's think up a theme this week it was mental illness last week it was plastic earlier it was climate change let's have a theme and the adventure can sort of maybe just waft its way around the edges of that theme i'd I'd rather do it the other way around i'd rather tell really good adventures and if people can pick out a theme if they can tease out a theme that's great and it it makes for a smarter audience too yeah look I certainly agree with what you're saying there. I definitely agree with you, and I think, you know, it's important to say out the front that mental health is an important issue, and it's very good that Doctor Who's highlighting it. Massively, in, in, yeah. Indeed, as Doctor Who did in Vincent and the Doctor, which remains my favourite 
of the Matt Smith era. Mm. But it, again, did suffer a little bit from that sort of after-school special. Today, kids, we discuss mental health. Yeah, in a very special (laughs) episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, I totally get that that's not kind of what we're tuning into Doctor Who for. We can definitely tune in, we've said it many times, to Doctor Who for messages. We're very comfortable with that. Yes, I do think that they are putting the cart before the horse. So again, I totally get your concern and that that's why this episode did diminish for me at the end is that was really hammered home mm. but i didn't mind because i really loved the middle half okay but you know before i start sounding like you know a, a, a hoary old fan here who just <laughs> wants things to be like the good old days i'll say yeah. something that turns that completely on its head dave in a speech to the doctor zelen mentioned the celestial toy maker albeit he just said the toy maker zelen must be quite woke uh he he mentioned <laughs> the the guardians he mentioned the eternals and while all of this is neat and to a fan an old fan like myself it's like oh yeah i know all these references i did start to also think hey <laughs> to a not we what on earth are they making of this gobbledygook this dude just talking about a toy maker and guardians and eternals to a not we Dave, was that really a smart thing to sort of leave her in there? It was very, very weird, me sitting in the office at Parliament House today, sort of keeping an eye on the news feed as a few things are happening. And on Twitter it said, uh, hashtag Celestial Toymaker was trending. That was a very <laughs> weird, very weird moment for me, I've got to say. Uh, I Yeah, I agree. Look, I thought it was very cool that what they did what they did. The problem is that it wasn't, as you say, just a passing reference. It was, this is how we're explaining who these guys are by referencing other things that, yes, a lot of the audience probably haven't heard of. Hmm. Um, he did sort of go on and give that thing about, you know, we live in eternity and we can't, we get bored. And I think, I think there was enough explanation to get there, but it was very weird to put the, uh, the lovely old school fan references into important exposition. Hmm. Something else that confused me, and again, this seems to come up regularly in episodes where we sit back and say, after our hot take at least, what happened there? What what was all that about? The, the whole business with, is it Akara being imprisoned between the planets? Even with that animation, which was quite nice, and I think that might be a first in Doctor Who, Dave, having an animation in the middle mm-hmm. of an episode... I still didn't quite get how she ended up in the orb. I get that she and Zelen, they had a planet each and they were wrecking the planets and then they had the planets shooting at each other and they seemed very much in charge, very powerful beings. And then she ended up in an orb in between the two planets. I thought, oh, hang on, hey, 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 how did that happen? And I, I still don't know how that happened. Yeah, but isn't that just a the ancient Atlanteans imprisoned Kronos in the crystal? Like you know, okay, that happened back there. That's another story. We, this, mm. this is where we arrived to. Um, look, again, if I wasn't enjoying this story, that would absolutely be a detail that would take me out of it. Yep. But because by then I was really into this story, I didn't mind at all. That said, I really disliked the cartoon. Oh, I just really? Thought, I just thought this is this is such a cheap way to do description. And in a series where we have complained again and again about the overt exposition and now they're literally just saying just pause the story guys while we do some exposition for you complete with cartoons and graphics <laughs> it's very true so uh, yeah that, that did sort of take me out of it but while we're on the topic of exposition I will highlight this week's piece of uh, exposition watch which, which is the line there's something there between those planets 
Yes, I can see that. It's a great big blue thing between the planets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> say no more. Rob, you've, you've raised a few concerns you had with the episode. Oh, I've got more. <laughs> well, well, let's 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 break it up a little bit. Okay. Any 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 positives? Ah. Uh... Well, let me just look down my list. Uh, that's oh, not positive. That's not positive. Uh, no, neither's that. Uh, and neither's that. No, you you have a go, Dave, if you've got some positives. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, I really enjoyed the way that things escalated. Mm. I enjoyed the point in the middle of the episode, particularly where the twist that the Doctor was the one who was releasing the baddie came along. I've got to admit... I didn't see that coming until right when it was on top of me, and I thought that was a really clever twist. And I thought that particularly given this is an example of the Jodie Doctor being extremely, not quite full silly Jodie, but but up there, and just, you know, I can do anything, and I can conquer the world, and the flash of my sonic screwdriver, and I can solve anything. Mm. And then to get the, no, you've actually fallen exactly from my trap, and woo, my friend's been released. I thought, okay, I really dug that. Yeah, it was a clever setup because you think, well, this is an all-powerful being, you know, possibly even regarded as a god by some. And so you, you don't even consider the notion that he wants the other one out of the orb but can't do it because he can't control locks or something in this universe. It, it seemed a bit of a strange explanation, but but it, 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 it did work. It, it worked, but um, yeah, still not enough to win me over, though, I've got to say. But I think it also was very clever that the female Eternal reached out to Graham mm. and because we like Graham so much we trust Graham probably more than we trust any other character yes I think that when he said she's the goody we've got to go rescue her there wasn't a moment of doubt in my mind like well, Graham says we can trust her I trust Graham yeah. whereas had it been in the others there might have been that sense of doubt so I thought that was a very clever point there and I'll merge from that and just say Graham was really good this episode can, can you at least tell me you laughed at the A to Z line, Rob? Oh, he delivered that beautifully. <laughs> Good. Well, that's a positive I've got out of you. It is. It is. Uh, I'm going to talk about Graham now, but in a, a, a negative way. Not about Graham, though, I've, I've mm-hmm. hastened to add. And that's the moment towards the end of the episode, Dave, where Graham is there pouring his heart out about being scared of his cancer. And, you know, he says his test results are good, but you, you, you're always living with it. He is clearly very scared. And the doctor is leaning forward like she's a bit deaf. And she has a look on her face like she's just had a stroke. And, and there's this line from her about, you know, being socially awkward, which, okay, folks, I know, I know, I know is meant to play well with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Doctor Who fans who are also perhaps socially awkward. It's meant to be the, oh, our heroes just like us moment. But it honestly fell flat for me. Even that line about, I'll just walk over here and in a minute I'll say what I should have said a moment ago. All of that just fell flat for me. Even though that's something we can all relate to, we, we all have moments in our life where we walk away and then we think of what we should have said to someone to comfort them. I get what the scene was trying to do. But Jodie, I just felt, bombed it completely. Or maybe the direction for Jodie bombed it for her. I, I don't know. And what we were left with was this companion in obvious fear of dying and a doctor who has a glib word for everybody, it seems, suddenly you know, pulling this routine, I was I was gobsmacked by that scene and how it left Graham. That was quite a statement. <laughs> Thank you very much. 
I've, I've got three quick points on that. The first is simply that Bradley Walsh played that to perfection. Well done. Mm. Uh, the second is, I have to say, I totally got immediately what the scene was trying to do in that I think many of us, perhaps all of us, have been in that position where somebody has chosen to confide in us, chosen to unload a, mm. a genuine emotional burden on us. And we're just sitting there going... I know what I want to do. I know how I want to emote, but I don't have the words. I don't have the experience. I, I'm, I'm fumbling through this. And I really felt that that was a moment of saying, you know what, it's okay to not know the words as long as you're listening. And so the scene worked for me. Uh, I didn't think it was brilliant, I, 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 but it worked for me because I related to it in that way. That said, I totally get where others are coming from. And... Yes, the Doctor is an alien, but we've moved a long way from I'm not human, I walk in eternity. The Doctor doesn't have companions anymore. She has a fam. Mm. The Doctor isn't completely alien now. He can fall in love with his companion and, you know, a, a, a carbon coffee you can go off into another universe and shag rose, you know. Yeah. Like, this is a very different Doctor to what we had in Tom Baker's day or Patrick Trouden's day. So, yes, I think that that level of dismissiveness would grate with a lot of people in a way had it been Tom Baker doing it I mean well let's face it we wouldn't have had that scene with the Tom Baker it was a different show yeah, yeah. so so yes I'm not I'm not remotely unsympathetic and yes I did think the Doctor on balance should have been supportive but it didn't I wasn't angry at it because I totally got and understood what it was about yeah oh, no, look, I understand all of that and and Maybe I could have bought it more if this was the regeneration story or her second or third story, and she's saying, you know, oh, I'm still not, I'm still a bit socially awkward, you know, and then she, you know, she's still cooking basically, you know, I, I could have maybe bought it a bit more. It just felt weird to leave the companion hanging over this major life crisis that they're that they're having, you know, um, and to have it so deep into this second series after she's got her act together in so many ways earlier in this series, it was just frustrating to me, you know. Maybe she could have done it in a first series, but not now. It just felt really unnatural. Yeah, I will certainly agree with you on that point. I thought this was a regressive step for Jodie's Doctor. And once again, it is that thing of rather than just let the wit come out of a character the way that a Moffat does the way that Naren Sorkin does or Chris Boucher does there really seems to be this feeling of almost as though they're writing a script and they've just left a marker insert quirky line here and then they've come back to it on a rewrite or, or something and gone right everybody let's think of a quirky line to put in here for the Doctor mm. and they just do feel artificial that's a really good word for them so that was a shame Jodie's Doctor having come so far this season uh, this episode particularly, and even a bit the last one, I thought backward steps, which is a shame. Yeah, big a big shame. Before we go to the sports test, Dave, I've got at least one more point. I don't know if you've got more. Uh, I'm good now, so over to you. Okay, I just want to say the way that the two baddies, Zelen and Akara, uh, were vanquished was crap. It was crap. You know, I think when you have beings this powerful, they have to basically destroy themselves. You think of Barusa choosing poorly in The Five Doctors, and, and it's got to be something along those lines. And indeed, earlier in this episode, we had the setup of Jodie being tricked into unlocking Akara from her prison. Well, why not turn the tables and trick, trick Zelen into bringing about his own downfall? Instead, it's just like, oh, look, this 
fantasy creature from the girl's nightmares is, is jumping at you. Ah, and now you're trapped in the bubble with it. Ah, it was like a pantomime ending. And I thought it was really unsatisfying. I thought it, it could have been much more clever. They should have tricked themselves or had the doctor do something to make them trick themselves. I thought it could have been done so much better. Yeah, look, this was certainly the point at which the show was starting to diminish. I was coming down the other side of the parabola. So I would more or less agree with you. But again, having enjoyed the 20 minutes leading up to it, I was more forgiving than you. Mm, All right. Shall we go to the sports desk? I think we should. Okay, here we are at the sports desk. If you've never heard our hot takes before, we look at the play of the week, the foul of the week, and the MVP of the week. Dave, hit me with your play of the week. My play of the week is going to the cold open. I was absolutely intrigued by that. It had everything I love about Doctor Who, historical setting, weird stuff, and a cool monster. And I've got to say, when the credits crashed into that point, I was totally on board. A bit disappointed when we came back from the credits and we arrived in Sheffield, but <laughs> I've got to say that cold open was one of the best I've seen, so that's my play of the week. What's yours, Rob? Dave, I really struggled with this, as maybe listeners can imagine from everything I've been saying thus far. Um, nothing really stood up and shouted, pick me, pick me. But if I had to choose something, I'd go with Bradley Walsh. The scenes where he talks about his fear of the cancer uh, to the doctor are pitch perfect. He also had some good one-liners. You mentioned one a moment ago. Bradley Walsh for me. I think we've got a snap coming up in the not-too-distant future. But before we go there, (laughs) Rob, out of all the things you disliked, what was your foul of the week? Dave, my foul of the week was the Doctor and Graham having that conversation and the Doctor just doing nothing to comfort Graham and just leaving him hanging over what would be the the biggest life crisis he's, he's ever faced probably aside from his wife dying. Just just astounding. Yep. No, look, I totally get why you'd feel that way, and I think it's very justified. My foul of the week is the scene where the Doctor had to escape from her manacles, and mm-hmm. I just thought, this is this is such a un-Doctor Who moment, where the problem the Doctor has is she's chained up, and the solution is she just sort of bounces her sonic screwdriver out of her pocket and bzz, gone. Like... The doctor, you know, give me something a little bit cleverer than that, a little bit more interesting. Uh, make the prison a mental prison, and she gets to trick it. You know, do do something. Yep. I thought that was a really, a, a really unworthy of the show cheap moment. The physics of that moment didn't even work at all. My wife turned to me and said, "Oh my god, that's cheesy." And I do an yeah. American accent, folks, because my wife is actually American. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, it, yeah, I, that's a very good description for it. Uh, we're now come to our player of the week. Based on what you said before, Rob, I think the word snap is marching over the horizon. Oh. Who was your player of the week? I, I don't know if it is, Dave, because this oh, is okay. out of the box. Um, oh, okay, maybe I'm wrong then. Yeah, uh, Seagun Akinola's musical score is my MVP of the week. <laughs> Okay, well, I was going with Bradley Walsh, so I thought after your play of the week you would, so all of that set up was for nothing. Rob, can you tell us why that was your pick? Yeah, because Dave, we've barely mentioned the music in the hot takes this series. We might not have even mentioned it at all. 
and you know the music this series and last series indeed hasn't been like ba 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 Murray Gold ba da ba da ba da you know and and I really like that and here especially at the end of the episode where all three companions were having their moments especially Yaz when she's out on that highway as you know three years younger and and all of that the music was really really good fabulous actually I loved it we actually haven't mentioned that highway scene have we no we haven't and you know it's kind of ambiguous as to whether Yaz might have been a suicide risk or whether she was just running away that's kind of a big thing uh I would just say briefly this kind of background to the companions I think would have worked a lot better in their first series given us something to latch on to and really think about (laughs) make us care more for them uh so it was very interesting I just think it's come too late they'll be gone in a few episodes I'm sure Dave yeah, I tend to agree with you, and I also would have liked that scene to have somehow, like the others, been woven into the episode. Again, I thought that cartoon explanation was a narrative cheat, and I also thought the, oops, we forgot to deal with Yaz's story. Hang on, everybody, we'll just do a quick little epilogue here. This is Yaz's story, everybody, mm. rather than weaving it through again, I thought it was a narrative cheat. But uh, look, it gave Yasmin Khan a chance to actually do some acting in, again, a very small role in the episode. Agreed. But speaking of good acting, as I said, my player of the week is Bradley Walsh for all the things that we've discussed over the course of this episode. He's always good, but this was a particularly outstanding one that I think is worthy of praise. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll say the the player of the week, even though I hated the scene, was him talking about the cancer. I just pitch perfect we seem to say this all the time i'm sure people get sick of us saying it but it's just so true he's the best actor in the series i think consistently at least oh by a margin by an absolute margin yeah so look dave to wrap up by the end of this episode i i found myself asking myself funnily enough you know what what just happened it seemed that this was a, an unsatisfying story about immortals who were getting off on nightmares. Aleppo was thrown in for no real reason I could ascertain at all, except so the doctor could have a one-liner that, you know, Islamic medicine did a really, you know, good line in mental health. Well, that, that, that's great. I don't see any other reason they are in Aleppo. There was some backstory to the companions that would have been good in the first series, as I mentioned a moment ago, but it seemed regressive to use it now so probably not so useful because they're probably about to leave uh and that scene with the doctor and graham just ugh. so for me this is a six out of ten at best had this been in jody's first series though it might have even been a seven or seven and a half even from me i would have given it a little more leeway how about you a very slow burn at the start a disappointing and weak finale but a middle half where i was engaged gripped great direction great design clever ideas a nice twist in the middle for me it's a middle of the road solid seven okay so still not a great episode oh no this isn't fugitive of the dude it isn't spyfall part one uh, it's it's probably not an episode i'm going to come back and watch a lot to be perfectly mm. honest but sitting right here now having watched it an hour ago i was more gripped by this certainly than i was by last week's yeah all right. Uh, well, that's uh, last week's and this week's. Now let's talk about next week's. Uh, the Haunting of Villa Diodati, Dave. This is Mary Shelley, I guess, getting the idea for Frankenstein, possibly from a rogue Cyberman. Uh, 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 re- uh, huh? <laughs> you obviously saw something in the trailer I didn't. 
Well, not from not from the trailer itself, but I th- I, I I think we're going to get the lone Cyberman back for this episode. And is the lone Cyberman the Brigadier? The Cyber Brig Dave? <laughs> oh, that's no. your nightmare coming true already. <laughs> um, I didn't get that, that that from it at all. Um, after this week, I'm very, very hesitant to think too much about the next time trailer because it was really sold me a bum steer this time. Uh, it's going to be... Look, I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, look, until then, I've been Rob. And on that indecisive note, I've been Dave. <laughs> We'll see you next week for The Haunting of Villa Diodati. You've been listening to The Doctor Who Show, the podcast where too much Doctor Who is barely enough. Subscribe to us on iTunes or listen through the website at www.thedwshow.net. Write to us at hello at thedwshow.net or send us a quickie on Twitter at thedwshow. Facebook.com forward slash the DW show is also a good place to find us if you're so inclined. Our version of the Doctor Who theme arranged by George Locke. Look him up on YouTube, folks. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Doctor Who, all names and sounds, and any other related items are trademarks and or copyrights of the BBC. All other trademarks and trade names are properties of their respective owners. The official Doctor Who website can be found at www.bbc.co.uk forward slash Doctor Who.